This is the London Visited podcast on your favourite podcast provider, bringing to you the facts, history and information about different parts of this great capital. If you have been to London, are planning on visiting, live here or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Steve and welcome to our podcast. We're here for all things London and to tell you more behind some of the iconic places and people in London's history. In this episode, we go back to Westminster Abbey for part two of our three-part series looking at this fantastic place. Now, don't forget to visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering here at Westminster Abbey and so many other places across London. Also, if you love the podcast and the channel, why not join us as a member? Join our group of what we like to call our London Visited Crown Jewels, where there are many different benefits, including a members-only monthly podcast. Have a look by going to patreon.com forward slash London Visited. And now to this week's podcast. In June 2009, the first major building work in 250 years was proposed. A corona, a crown-like architectural feature, was suggested to be built around the lantern over the central crossing, replacing an existing pyramidal structure dating from the 1950s. This was all part of a wider £23 million development of the Abbey, completed in 2013. On the 4th of August 2010, the Dean and Chapter announced that, after a considerable amount of preliminary and exploratory work, efforts towards the construction of a corona would not be continued. The Cosmati pavement underwent a major cleaning and restoration program for two years beginning in 2008. On the 17th of September 2010, Pope Benedict XVI became the first Pope to set foot in the Abbey, and on the 29th of April 2011, the wedding of Prince William and Catherine Middleton took place at the Abbey. In 2018, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Galleries were created in the medieval Triforium. This is a display area for the Abbey's treasures in the galleries high up around the sanctuary. A new Gothic access tower with lift was designed by the Abbey architect and surveyor of the fabric. In 2020, a 13th century sanctuary was uncovered in the grounds of the Abbey as part of an archaeological excavation. The sanctuary was used by monks of the Abbey to store objects used in the Mass, such as the vestments and chalices. Also on the site were hundreds of burials, mostly of Abbey monks. On the 10th of March 2021, a vaccination centre opened in Poets' Corner to administer doses of the COVID-19 vaccines. Westminster Abbey is chiefly Rygate stone and is mostly built in geometric Gothic style. The church has an 11-bay nave with aisles, transepts and a chancel and an ambulatory and radiating chapels. The height of the building is supported with two tiers of flying buttresses, the western end of the nave and the west front were designed by Henry Yeville in perpendicular Gothic style. The Henry VII Chapel was built in late perpendicular style in Huddleston Stone, probably by Robert and William Virtue. The west towers were designed by Nicholas Hawksmoor and a blend of the Gothic style of the Abbey with the Baroque style fashionable during his lifetime. The present Westminster Abbey is largely based on French Gothic styles, especially those found at Reims Cathedral rather than the contemporaneous English Gothic styles. For example, the English Gothic style favours large and elaborate towers, while Westminster Abbey did not have any towers until the 18th century. It is more similar to French churches than English ones in terms of its ratio to height to width. Westminster Abbey has the highest nave of any Gothic church in England, 
and the nave is much narrower than any medieval English church of a similar height. Instead of a short, square, eastern end, as was the English fashion, Westminster Abbey has a long, rounded apse, and it also has chapels radiating from the ambutry, which is typical of a French Gothic style. However, there are also distinctively English elements, such as the use of materials contrasting colours, like Purbeck marble and white stone in the crossing. The northern entrance has three porches, with the central one featuring an elaborately carved tympanum, leading to an acquired the nickname Solomon's Porch as a reference to the legendary temple in Jerusalem. The abbey retains its 13th and 14th century cloisters, which would have been one of the busiest parts of the church when it was a monastery. The west cloister was used for the teaching of novice monks, the north for private study. The south cloister led to the refectory, and the east to the chapter house and dormitory. In the southwest corner of the cloisters is a solarium, formerly used by the monks to store food and wine, which is today the Abbey Café. The north cloister and northern end of the east cloister closest to the church are the oldest, dating to circa 1250, whereas the rest are from 1352 to 1366. The abbey also contains a little cloister on the side of the monks' infirmary. The little cloister dates from the end of the 17th century and contains a small garden with a fountain in the centre. A passageway from the little cloister leads to College Garden, which has been in continuous use for 900 years, beginning as a medicine school for the monks of the abbey and now overlooked by canons' houses and the dormitory for Westminster School. The newest part of the abbey is the Western Tower, finished in 2018. It sits between the chapter house and the Henry VII Chapel and contains a lift shaft and spiral staircase to allow public access to the Triforium, which contains the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Galleries. The tower has a star-shaped floor plan and leaded windows with an elaborate crown rooftop. The lift shaft inside is faced with 16 kinds of stone from the Abbey's history, including Purbeck marble, Rygate stone and Portland stone. The project took five years and cost £22.9 million. Inside, the church has Purbeck marble piers and shafting. The vaulting of the roof is quadripartite, with rib ridges and bosses, and at 102 feet, 31 metres, is one of the highest church vaults in Britain. To fit in as many guests as possible during coronations, the transepts were designed to be unusually long, and the choir placed to the east of the crossing, rather than to the west, a feature also seen in Reims Cathedral. In the 13th century, the interior of the church would originally have been painted in bright colours and gilded, although the piers would have been left unpainted. The nave was built slowly over the course of many centuries from the east end to the west end, and yet, because generations of builders stuck to the original design, it's got a unified style. The makers of the long gap in the building work between 1269 and 1376 are relatively minor, but can be seen at the fifth bay from the crossing. The spandrels over the arches are towards the earlier east end are decorated with draper work, and towards the west end, built later, are plain. The lancet windows on the earlier side have a foiled circle, whereas on the later side they have an uncircled quadrifold, and the shields on the aisle walls are carved on the earlier side and painted on the later side. Above the crossing, in the centre of the church, is a roof lantern destroyed by a bomb in 1941 and restored by the architect Stephen Dykes Bower in 1958. In the choir aisles, 
Shields of donors to the 13th and 14th century rebuilding are carved and painted in the spandrels of the arcade. At the eastern end of the nave is a large screen separating the nave from the choir, made of 13th century stone, but totally reworked by Edward Bloor in 1834 and with paintwork and gilding by Bauer in the 1960s. Behind the main altar, in the holiest part of the church, lies the shrine and tomb of Edward the Confessor. Saint shrines were once common in English medieval churches, but most were destroyed during the English Reformation, and Edward is the only major English saint whose body still occupies his shrine. Arranged around him in a horseshoe shape are a series of tombs of medieval kings and their queens, Henry III, Eleanor of Castile, Edward I, Philippa of Hainaut, Edward III, Anne of Bohemia, and Richard II, with Richard V in the centre of the horseshoe at the eastern end. Henry III's tomb was originally covered in pieces of coloured glass and stone, but have since been picked off by generations of tourists below the level of hand height. Above Henry V's tomb, at a mezzanine level hanging over the ambulatory, is a chantry chapel built by the mason John Thirsk, decorated with many sculptured figures, including Henry V riding a horse and being crowned in the abbey. At the western end, the shrine is separated from the main church by a stone rear reduce, closing off the shrine as a semi-private space. The screen depicts episodes from the saint's life, including his birth and the building of the abbey. The shrine is closed to the public except for special events. The abbey includes side chapels radiating from the ambulatory. Many were originally included in the 13th century rebuilding as special altars dedicated to individual saints, and many of the chapels still bear saints' names, e.g. St. Nicholas, St. Paul, etc. From the time of the English Reformation, saints' cults were no longer orthodox, and so instead the chapels were repurposed as extra places for burials and monuments. In the North Ambitry of the Islip Chapel, the Nurses' Memorial Chapel, sometimes named the Nightingale Chapel, the Chapel of Our Lady of the Pew, and the Chapel of St. John the Baptist, and St. Paul's Chapel. The Islip Chapel is named after Abbot John Islip, who commissioned it in the 16th century. The screen inside is decorated with a visual pun on his name, showing an eye and a boy falling from a tree, Eye Slip. There are further chapels within the eastern aisle of the north transept, named after, from south to north, St. John the Evangelist, St. Michael and St. Andrew. In the south ambitry are the chapels of St. Nicholas, St. Edmund and St. Benedict. The footprint of the south transept is by necessity smaller than the northern one, because the 13th century builders butted against the pre-existing 11th century cloisters. To make the transepts match, the south transept is built hanging over the west end cloister. This allowed the creation of a room above the cloisters, used to store the abbey monuments. The south transept is the chapel of St. Faith, built circa 1250 to serve as the vestry for the abbey monks. On the east wall is a painting of her, made circa 1290 to 1310, showing her holding the gridiron she was roasted to death on. The octagonal chapter house was used by the abbey monks for daily meetings, where they would hear a chapter of the ruler St. Benedict and be given their instructions for the day from the abbot. The chapter house was built between 1250 and 1259 and is one of the largest in Britain, measuring nearly 60 feet, 18 metres across. For 300 years after the English Reformation, it was used to store state records, until these were moved to the Public Record Office in 1863. It was restored by George Gilbert Scott in the 19th century. 
The entrance is approached from the east cloister via the outer and inner vestibules, and the ceiling starts low and gets higher as the visitor approaches the chapter house. It is an octagonal room with a central pillar, built with a small crypt below. Along the sides are benches for 80 monks, above which are large stained glass windows showing the coats of arms of several monarchs, as well as the abbey's patrons and abbots. The exterior includes flying buttresses added to the 14th century and leaded roof designed by Scott. The interior walls of the chapter house are decorated with 14th and 15th century paintings representing the apocalypse, the last judgment, and birds and animals. The chapter house also has an original mid-13th century tiled floor. The wooden door within the vestibule was made with a tree felled in 1032 to 1064 and is one of the oldest in Britain. It may have been the door to the 11th century chapter house in Edward the Confessor's Abbey and was reused as the door to the Peak's Chapel in the 13th century. Today, it leads to an office. The adjoining Peak's Chamber formed the undercroft of the monk's dormitory. It dates to the late 11th century and was used as a monastic and royal treasury. The outer walls and the circular piers date from the 11th century. Several of the capitals were enriched in the 12th century and the stone altar added in the 13th century. The term pigs refers to the boxwood chest in which coins were held and presented to a jury during the trial of the pigs, in which newly minted coins were presented to ensure they conformed to the required standards. The chapter house and pigs chamber at Westminster Abbey are in the guardianship of English heritage, but under the care and the management of the Dean and Chapter of Westminster. The Henry VII Lady Chapel also known simply as the Henry VII Chapel, is a large lady chapel at the far eastern end of Westminster Abbey, paid for by the will of King Henry VIII. The chapel is built to a very late perpendicular Gothic style, the magnificence of which caused the English poet John Leland to call it the wonder of the world. The tombs of several monarchs, including Edward V, Henry VII, Edward VI, Mary I, Elizabeth I, James I, Charles II, George II, and Mary, Queen of Scots, are found in the chapel. The chapel is noted for its pendant and vault style ceiling, probably designed by William Vircher, which the writer Washington Irving said was achieved with the wonderful minuteness and airy security of a cobweb. In fact, the ceiling is not a true fan vault, but a groin vault disguised as a fan vault. The interior walls are densely decorated with carvings, including 95 statues of saints. Many statues of saints in England were destroyed in the 17th century, so these are a rare survival. Like much of the rest of the medieval building, these would have originally been painted and gilded. From the outside, the chapel is surrounded by flying buttresses, each taking the form of a polygonal tower tapped with a cupola. At the centre of the chapel is the tomb of Henry VII and his wife, Elizabeth of York, made by the sculptor Pietro Terragano, who fled to England from Italy after getting into a fight with the artist Michelangelo and breaking his nose. The chapel has within it further sub-chapels radiating from the main structure. One of these to the north contains the tombs of Mary I and Elizabeth I, both coffins being within Elizabeth's monument, and another to the south contains the tomb of Mary, Queen of Scots. Both monuments were commissioned by James I, the successor of Elizabeth to the English throne and the son of Mary, Queen of Scots. At the far eastern end is the RAF Chapel with a stained glass window dedicated to those who died in the Battle of Britain in 1940. 
The chapel has also been the mother church of the Order of the Bath since 1725, and the banners of the members hung above the stalls. The stalls themselves retain their medieval missio courts, small ledges for monks to perch on during services, often decorated with varied and harmonious carvings. Many of the rooms used by the monks still exist, only repurposed. The dormitory was turned into a library and a schoolroom, and their offices had been converted into houses for the clergy. The abbot had his own lodgings and ate separately from the rest of the monks. The abbot's lodgings still exist, but are now used by the Dean of Westminster and are probably the oldest continuously occupied residence in London. They include the Jericho Parlour, covered in wooden line-fold panelling, the Jerusalem Chamber, commissioned in 1369, and a grand dining hall complete with minstrels' gallery, now used by Westminster School. The prior also had its own household, separate from the monks, on the site of which now stands Ashburnham House and Little Dean's Yard, now also part of Westminster School. So I hope you've enjoyed our second look at Westminster Abbey. And next time you join us, we're going to be looking at some of the galleries, some of the stained glass windows, which are absolutely amazing, and also the Cosmati pavement, which is quite incredible. So I look forward to you joining us then. Now, if you'd like to make contact with us or suggest any places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, you can let me know through our website, londonvisited.co.uk or our social media. It's that easy. Thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you soon on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe to get more shows direct to your device. Also, why not visit our London Visited YouTube channel to get even more of London. Catch you soon on the next one.